Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now... Good morning, Christ Community. It is good to be together, whether you are in an auditorium at one of our campuses or worshiping online, it is great to be together worshiping. Before we jump into this weekend's teaching topic, I want to give you a brief update on work that our ministry partners are currently doing in Haiti. Uh, if you're familiar with Christ Community's International Impact Ministries, we have six international partners all over the world in six respective countries, and that's where we primarily do our work. That's who we partner with. In addition to those six partners, we partner with an organization called Samaritan's Purse. They are specialists in disaster response and relief. Right now, Samaritan's Purse is on the ground in Haiti doing what they do best, which is they already have a temporary hospital set up. They are getting medical care, food, and water to people in need in Haiti. So here is how you might be able to play a part. We have set up a fund uh, to, to financially support what is going on through Samaritan's Purse in Haiti. If you are interested in that, you can find it online. I think they're going to throw the info on the screen. Um, and want to wanna just say one brief thing about whenever you're providing aid for things that are going on internationally, you, you, you may be aware of this. Sometimes when you give financial support to things, it is not always true that the aid that you're hoping to get to the people actually gets to the people. There's a lot of things between us giving our money and actually getting the help to the people that have to happen well. Samaritan's Purse is already on the ground, already working with people with military backing. So it is a very uh, safe and secure thing to fund if you, if you want to help people in Haiti. In addition to what Samaritan's Purse is doing, Haiti is actually one of the six countries where we have indigenous, indigenous ministry partners. So here's, here's how the money is going to be used. The vast majority of the money that comes in for this fund is going to go to Samaritan's Purse. We are going to hold back a small portion of the money because we have other partners in Haiti that are doing good work and so we want to hold some of that money to see if we could help financially support some of the things that they are doing okay so want to make you aware uh, of that if you have never given to anything at Christ Community before I would say this would be a great time to jump in as a first-time giver um, it will take a few minutes to set up your online account um, but this is a really great initiative uh, to jump in on join the fun of being a part of something bigger than yourself and helping people in Haiti all right, we're going to jump into this weekend's teaching topic, and I want to make sure you brought your brain to church today, so we're going to play a game called Tri-Bond. I'm going to throw three words on the screen that are seemingly disconnected, and you need to identify what bonds the words together. All right, we're going to start easy and get harder as we go along. Round one, here are your three words, peanut, corn, motor, and the answer is oil. Peanut oil, corn oil, motor oil. Okay, many of you got that. Moving on, a little bit more difficult. Step, God, grand, and the answer is, although I heard someone say son, that is, probably works too. All right, a little bit harder, here we go. First, financial, hearing. All right, and the answer is, they're all forms of aid, first aid, financial aid, hearing aids, and one more round, porn, sermon notes, cat videos. All things that you can access on this wonderful device. Now, you might be sitting there going, I didn't know you could access the sermon notes on your phone. So, 
if you download the CCC Life app, put it on your phone, there's a tab in the app that says in service. It's really clever. You press it when you're in service, and what happens is you immediately have all the information about everything that happens in service. So there's sermon outline, place to take notes, community group discussion questions based on the sermon, anything anyone says from the stage, there are tabs for you to follow up with that, so like announcements and registrations and all of that. So if you've never downloaded the CCC Life app, it might be a good thing to do. You could even do it right now. I will not be offended. Uh, we are actually gonna talk a lot about our phones today. We are continuing a series called Rhythms of the soul, and the premise of the entire series has been that we are all being shaped. We are becoming. Becoming what, though? That, that's the million-dollar question. We can either be shaped by the ways of this world, or we can be transformed by the practices of God's grace. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You will be shaped. The only question is, in which direction are we being shaped? Or an invitation from Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. And Jesus says this to you today. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus has invited us into a better way, into his life. He has set us free from the bondage of sin, from the pain of living according to the ways of this world, and he wants to show us a better way. And this series, Rhythms of the Soul, has been an exploration of the habits and the behaviors of this better way, this life and this mission that Jesus has invited us all into. And today, we are going to explore our relationship with our phones. Uh-oh. All right, now many of you know Pastor Clayton is our teaching pastor, and he put together this entire summer teaching series, and he is the one that organized who would be teaching on what weekend. And so you might be asking the question, well, why did Pastor Clayton ask Pastor Eric to preach on phones and social media? Well, the first part of the answer is that Pastor Clayton knows about phone jail. This is phone jail. This is on the table at my house. And here's how phone jail works. When we are at the table having a meal, if you pull out your phone, we start banging the table with our fist. Boom, boom, and then we start chanting, jail, 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 and we get louder and louder and louder until you realize you've done something wrong and your phone has to go into the phone jail until we are done with the meal. Now here's what's really fun about it. We don't tell guests in our house that this is a rule. <laughs> And my kids range from 21 to 10, and we kind of have an open house where, where young adults and kids are just always coming and going, and you never really know who's going to be at our dinner table. And we don't tell them, but when, if they pull out their phone, boom, boom, and they're like, what is going on? Jail, jail. And then we just start pointing at phone jail. It's not because I hate phones. I have a family of six. I purchased all six of the phones at the table. It's not because I hate phones. It's because I value 
the human connection and the conversation at the table. So Pastor Clayton knows about phone jail. He also is aware that a few years ago, I permanently deleted all of my social media accounts. Well, the room just got really quiet. Some of you are like, oh, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. Okay. I, we posted an article. When, when I did that, about a year later, I wrote an article on why I made that choice, and the church has posted that article, ironically enough, on social media. <laughs> just threw up in my mouth a little bit saying that. Uh, it's also on the portion of our website called I Heard It in Service or in the app. Um, it's just an explanation of why I would do that. Thousands and thousands of social media connections gone in a moment. And it was a very intentional choice on my part. So you can, you can check out that article if you're, if you're interested. So Pastor Clayton was aware of phone jail. He was aware uh, that I deleted all of my social media accounts. And now you might be sitting here going, oh no. Is this gonna be a terrible 30-minute sermon on social media bashing? And the answer is no. It's not going to be that. In fact, here's what I'm gonna try to do with this sermon. I am going to try to make the case from the scriptures that how you relate to your phone and social media is actually part of a bigger, more important rhythm of your soul. And here's that rhythm. Intentionally connecting with and disconnecting from people. Intentionally connecting with and disconnecting from people. So this is not a phone bashing or a social media bashing sermon. I want you to ask the bigger questions. So here we go. Number one, intentionally connecting with people. Matthew chapter 28, often referred to as the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, this is after he had already been crucified on the cross. Uh, he's now alive again physically, talking to the disciples. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Being a disciple, being a follower and learner of Jesus, fully leaning into the ways of Jesus, the invitation of Jesus, to live the kind of life that he's inviting you into, to live a life on mission, requires intentional connection with other people. It, it's so, I'm being Captain Obvious right now, it's so implicit in the Great Commission, if you read the New Testament, and you just start writing down everything we're coached towards as Christians, what you will quickly discover is just about everything we're coached toward has everything to do with how we relate to other people. Being a disciple requires intentional connection with other people. There is zero imagination in the pages of our Bible that Christianity is a Lone Ranger sport. Being a disciple requires intentional connection with other people. And you read the Great Commission, being a disciple, in a lot of ways, is also about making disciples, right? If you 
have come to know Jesus Christ and surrendered your life to him and received the cleansing and the forgiveness, and you have fully entered into the invitation that he has extended to you, part of our primary mission and job is to help other people know the invitation of Jesus and help them come on in with us. We are being disciples, and we are making disciples. Making disciples, you ready? This is more Captain Obvious stuff. Making disciples requires intentional connection with other people. You cannot be a disciple and you cannot make disciples without intentional connection with other people. Matthew chapter four. Come, follow me, Jesus said. And I will send you out to fish for people. The original disciples, many of us know this, by trade, fishermen. And Jesus is saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip the script. I want you to help other people come to know who I am. I want you to help other people come to understand that I'm the king. Life on mission. Jesus has invited us into a life on mission of being disciples and making disciples. Listen, this, this Rhythms of the Soul series is not just about being gooder. It's not the spiritual equivalent of eat your vegetables. It's not, this series hasn't been about self-improvement. It's about fully leaning into the life and the mission that Jesus has invited us into. Now, because of my role in the church, uh, I have been involved in every decision in the last year and a half, two years, regarding how the church has handled the pandemic. And people that know that will often ask me, so as you look back over the last year and a half, two years, now, what do you, is there, do you have any regrets? Would you do anything different? And it's a great question, but I think people are often surprised by my answer. I'll tell you the thing that bothers me the most about the last year and a half, two years. We baptized fewer people last year than we did in the years leading up to last year. You following me on this? That's fewer people coming to faith. Fewer people declaring public allegiance to Jesus. That bothers me. And if we are being disciples and living life on mission and focused on making disciples, that should bother all of us. More than rules about masks, those are the kinds of things that should be like ingrained in us. Like, man, we are following Jesus. We are fully leaning in to his life and his mission. We have been invited in to a life on mission. Being disciples and making disciples. Being a disciple requires intentional connection with other people. Making disciples requires intentional connection with other people. Now, introverts, you do not get a pass on this just because it is uncomfortable. Likewise, extroverts, you don't get a pass on what we're gonna talk about next just because what I'm gonna say next makes you uncomfortable. All right, it's not like we can say, well, Jesus, I, I hear your invitation, thanks. Um, I, I get the whole life on mission thing, being a disciple, making disciples, but I don't know if you've seen my Enneagram score, um, but some of the things you're asking me to do, they're just not natural to me, so I'd rather pass. Jesus is Lord. Lord of what? Lord of all. Lord of everything. Lord of your Enneagram score? Your disc profile, yeah. So don't let your, what you envision as your own personality traits or things that come naturally to you or unnaturally to you 
allow you to sideline yourself from fully leaning in to the life and mission that Jesus has invited you into. So first, intentional connection with others. Second, intentionally disconnecting from others. These things make that really hard. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, the last part of the Great Commission. Jesus says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What is he saying there? It is not just some generic like, and I'm for you. It's not just like, and just know that from a distance, I'm cheering you on. I'm with you. It's not like some distant cheerleader thing where Jesus is saying, good luck, and I hope you make it. No, no, no. He is saying, I am actually present with you. What in the world does that mean? We worship a triune God, a trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What Jesus, what Jesus is referring to is he was going to ascend to heaven, and he told his disciples, I'm going up. When I go up, I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. You are going to continue the work that I started, but don't you dare try it. Don't you dare try it without the helper. I'm going to send him to you, the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you, and he will be in you. It's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God with you as you fully lean in to life on mission with Jesus. Now, this is the trick. Just because God is present with you doesn't necessarily mean that you're paying any attention to the relationship. It's kind of like you could live with other people under the same roof of a house and not really cultivate any kind of relationship. The same is true in terms of God being present with you, the spirit inside of you, cultivating a relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is why we have to disconnect sometimes from other people. Take a look at this. We're gonna, we're gonna look at three, three episodes in the Gospels of Jesus intentionally connecting with people and then very intentionally disconnecting from people and then going back and connecting with people again, all right? Matthew chapter 14. What we're about to read immediately follows the miraculous feeding of 5,000 people. So Jesus is on mission, intentionally connecting with people, and then it says this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowd. So he sends the disciples away and he dismisses the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there all alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. Jesus was intentionally with people. Then he intentionally disconnected from people. Why? To cultivate, to continue to talk with his father. And then he reconnected with people again. Or how about this one in Mark chapter one? Jesus is at a house with the disciples, intentionally connecting with them because he was training them. But very early in the morning, it says, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Intentionally with people, then intentionally disconnecting from people, and you know this to be true, right? When you try to disconnect, you know what happens? People come a-looking for you. All the time. 24-7, 
people looking for, connect with me, connect with me, connect with me, connect with me. Luke chapter 4. Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law, and then he starts healing some other people around. So he's intentionally connecting with people, and then it says this, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. You following this? The pressure of constant connection. They tried to keep him from leaving them, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns, because that's why I was sent. Jesus was on mission, intentionally connecting with people, and intentionally disconnecting from people so that he could hear the voice of his father. If you ever wonder why Jesus seemed to have a laser-like focus on why the father sent him, look no further than the fact that he intentionally cultivated time to disconnect from people to hear his father and to speak to his father. Listen, tomorrow, what you need in your life, you don't need another Reddit or subreddit stream you don't need to scroll more comments on Facebook. That's not really what's gonna help you live on mission for Jesus. You know what you need to hear tomorrow? You need to hear the voice of your heavenly Father. The Lord speaking one word into your life. Significantly different and better than anything, anything that you are going to explore on social media. So we, we all need to relationally disconnect from people to spend time with the Father and to cultivate a relationship with all three members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we intentionally connect with people, we intentionally disconnect from people, and then thirdly, we intentionally run the race. We are intentionally running the race. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The race marked out for us. God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. Jesus has invited us into his life and into his mission. There is a race marked out for us. The question is, are we intentionally running that race? And there are two pieces of advice here. One is to throw off everything that hinders it's really the word is really weight take off all of the weight that's slowing you down and get rid of the sin that so easily entangles so we'll talk about the sin that entangles and trips us up in a second but there is this category of not sin of weight that is not helpful in terms of running the race it, there is a category of things in our lives that you wouldn't say are morally evil morally wrong sinful They're just dumb, unhelpful. In terms of fully leaning into the invitation of Jesus to live the kind of life he's called us to live, there are a lot of things in life that aren't necessarily sinful, they're just not helpful. And so back then, ancient Olympic games, ancient uh, athletic competitions, there were a lot of runners that would run naked. Why? They didn't wanna carry any possible weight that would slow them down, so they ran naked. It's no different than today with lightweight running gear and ru lightweight running shoes or swimmers that are wearing very uh, like aerodynamic type you know, suits. You try to gain every possible advantage. Why? Because you are all about running and winning the race and you don't wanna carry anything 
anything that might hinder you running the race. So if we're going to run a foot race, you could wear a backpack full of rocks if you want. And you won't have to repent about it. It's just dumb, unwise, unhelpful. There is a category of those things. So you throw off all of that weight, and then you get rid of all of the sin that so easily entangles and trips you up. To intentionally run the race that has been marked out for us. And if, if we are going to fully lean into the invitation of Jesus, to fully lean into the life and the mission that Jesus has invited us into, then we have to talk about our phones and social media. We have to, to throw off the weight and get rid of the sin that so easily entangles and trips us up. We have to talk about it. How, here here are some questions we could ask. How is my use of my phone and social media helping or hurting me when it comes to running the race marked out for me? How might my phone and social media interfere with my intentional connection with other people or my intentional disconnection from people? How does the use of social media help me live on mission? Now, you could ask the more general question, is my relationship with my phone good for me? It's a good question to ask. That's not the question I'm asking, though. As a pastor, I'm asking a more particularly Christian question, which is this. Is my use of my phones and social media helping me live as a disciple of Jesus? Is my use of my phone and social media helping me live as a disciple of Jesus? This is where we need the Holy Spirit. This is where we say, Holy Spirit, you are the teacher, you are the helper, help me. Help me to to think well about all of these things because quite honestly, in a congregation of thousands of people, the applications of this are gonna be so wide and varied that you need to hear the voice of God on this one. Now, whenever we read scripture, the first time we read a a, a significant chunk of scripture in a sermon, we all say, this is the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. We do that as a reminder that the scriptures are God-breathed, inspired, and authoritative in our lives. What I'm about to do for the next few minutes is not the word of the Lord. It is just pastoral musings from Pastor Eric about phones and social media, okay? So... These are just thoughts. Uh, If they're helpful for you, great. Take everything I'm about to say with a grain of salt. If, If it's not helpful, just let it fly over you, okay? But we need to talk about phones and social media. Here are some potential downsides. Things to consider if you really want to fully lean into the invitation that Jesus is extending. Part of the problem with social media is we spend a ton of time managing our image. We're so concerned about what other people think about us and perceive us on social media, this is dangerous. That what other people think about us is more important than what God thinks about us. We sing songs at church like, I am who you say I am. Listen, young people, you need to know this. Who who your heavenly father says you are is the defining thing about your life. And we don't, we don't measure our self-worth based on likes and follows and shares. It's so intoxicating on social media to manage our image, and it's just not helpful. 
And in some ways, it's really dangerous. Opinion venting. Oh, gosh. Listen, in Proverbs, you have two categories of people, the fool and the wise. Wise people acknowledge God and follow God. The fools say there is no God and do whatever they want. In the category of fools, those who give vent to their anger and have to make sure that their opinion is known by other people. Fools. Foolish living. Listen, Proverbs calls it godless, foolish living. And we are all about it on social media. Let it not be said of the people of God that we are giving full vent to our anger and our opinions in public forums. It is godless, foolish living. And I'm being blunt about it because it is, it is pervasive. Pervasive. And it's dangerous. Social media, you cultivate judgmentalism. You, you scroll through comment streams and you watch what people are saying, and then you either agree with them, or you make fun of them, or how could someone be so dumb, and you're just constantly doing that, and part of this series, we've been reminding everybody that the things that you do over and over and over again are shaping you as a person. If you spend significant amount of time just scrolling on social media, judging in your mind and heart everything that you're reading, you are cultivating a life of critical judgmentalism which is the opposite of the life of love and grace and mercy and compassion that Jesus has invited us into. And yet we scroll, and we scroll. Distraction is another problem. You're just never fully, you're never fully present. You're always, it's, it's fear of missing out. It's just the constant distraction of what's going on over here, what's going on over there. It's in business meetings, it's at family dinner tables, it's everywhere, everywhere not present with people, intentionally connecting with people because we are constantly somewhere else because of this. It's dangerous. Addictions, porn, spending, gambling, venting. By the way, venting, venting is an addiction. Compulsive venting, you, it just, if you do it over and over enough again, it just becomes something that you do without thinking. It used to be that to cultivate an addiction, you had to go get it, right? Like you had to like get in a car, drive to a bar, go buy pornography at the store. Like you had to go get it to cultivate an addiction. The danger now is you don't have to go anywhere. Addictions are coming to us, right? All the time, 24-7 access, doorways to addictions. Artificial connections on social media, paper-thin connections that create the delusion that we are connected with a lot of people when we aren't. And then we can't differentiate between a post that we see from someone we knew 20 years ago. Oh yeah, I have a relationship with that person. Do you? Someone you knew 20 years ago that you kind of watch what they do on Facebook? That's significantly different than having a meal or a cup of coffee with someone. We all know this but we're being, we're being tricked into believing that all of these social media connections are, are like real relationships. Some of them are. Some of your social media connections are extensions of actual relationships, but some of it's just delusion. Wasting time, uh, compulsive use, compulsive use. I, I talk about it in the article I wrote that's online about how many times a day the average person touches their phone. Uh, if you're at a stoplight and you're, you compulsively look at your phone, touch your phone, check Facebook, continue a Snapchat streak, listen, that's not just something you're choosing to do at a certain point. 
you have cultivated a compulsive addiction to your phone. And it's really hard because these things are really useful, right? They are world-class digital multi-tools, and so we use them for so many things that it's really hard not to become addicted to it. And some of those reasons aren't bad. So I think we need to at least be honest and thoughtful about how we're using our phones. All right, now I told you it's not gonna be a social media bashing sermon, but I think some of those things were worth being said. Once again, those are my musings. You can take them or leave them. And there are some good things about social media, right? For example, face filters. <laughs> those are fun. TikTok videos are funny to watch. I mean, there's a lot of, there's some good stuff on social media. But here's our primary concern as followers of Jesus. Are we running the race intentionally? Are we fully leaning in to the invitation of Jesus to live a better way and to live as disciples who are making disciples? And the question that I'm asking you to ponder today is, how is your use of your phone and social media helping you or hurting you in terms of being a disciple of Jesus Christ? If you will honestly ask that question and listen to the voice of the Lord, allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in you, I trust that you will make good decisions and applications. Now, running the race that God has mapped out for us requires a few things, right? We already talked about throwing off the weight that slows us down, getting rid of the sin that so easily entangles. And then you say, well, how do you, how do you run a race? One step at a time. Which is why we are all wearing t-shirts this weekend around here that say, what's next? Because that's a great question for a Christian to ask. What is the next step in my Christian walk in running the race? And so, uh, when you walked into the auditorium today at any campus, you received this little discipleship guide. I'm gonna ask you to pull it out right now, and you can actually start exploring it while I'm talking. I will not consider that rude. This is a tool that we created to try to help everybody always be able to answer the question, what's next for me in my Christian walk? Sometimes it's hard to identify the next step. Um, and so we created this tool. If you are worshiping online, there's a link to this tool that you can, you can click on and explore the tool. So as you're looking, I'll just point out a few things, uh, and then I will turn things over uh, to the worship team. So when you first open it up, it has a little rooted ad. So let me help you. If you are new to Christ's community, or you are new to the faith, just go do Rooted. That's what Rooted is for. If you're new to the church or new to the faith, do Rooted. You'll meet other people, you'll meet staff, you'll figure out the church, and it is a really great discipleship program to help you fully lean into the invitation of Jesus. So if you're new to the church, new to the faith, Rooted. Uh, teenagers, middle school students and high school students, I think you already know this, but in terms of community groups, group life, intentionally connecting with other believers, Refuge for, is for those of you who are middle school. Mosaic House Group is those of you that are high school. And uh, we've also tried to, as best we could, um, on the map, um, when, you, when you go to the webpage associated with anything you find on the map, it will tell you whether or not it is a good environment for you. So like, it'll, if, like, if like you're interested in like Bible intro, it will say, this is good for ninth grade and above. So we tried to clue you in on, on what would be good for you. All right, so here's, this is a very simple tool. You take the assessment, 
All you do is check everything that might apply to you. Ready? And this is really deep. Then pick one. Now, this is the big part. Then you do it. That's how you run a race. It's not just identifying your next step. It's actually taking your next step. So we have the, the three main, I guess I'll call them like collecting pools. I, guess, I don't know a better word for it. The three main things at Christ Community, in addition to all the other things you see on the map, are community groups where thousands of us connect with other believers, groups of three to 12 people, Bible study, prayer, running the race together, intentional relational connection, community groups, rooted, if you're new to the faith or new to the church, and care night. Care night is a collection of groups and classes. If there's an acute area of your life where you need help, hope, or healing, so it could be grief share or debt that's out of control or dealing with an addiction. Um, there's lots of ways that life just gets really hard sometimes. And sometimes you need to hit the pause button, particularly work on an area of your life so that you could run the race really well. Now listen, there's no shame or guilt in that either. We are children of the light. God is light. We are children of the light. We walk in the light. We live in the light. And the enemy always does his best oppressive work in the dark. So the best thing you could do if you're struggling with a particular area of your life is just put it in the light. We're children of the light. We walk in the light. So you just go to care night and you say, I just need to spend some time working on this area of my life. So these are the three main like collection areas of people in our church, rooted, care night, and community groups. So that is why if you are physically on a campus right now, when you are dismissed from service out in the lobby, are representatives and tables for, you got it, rooted community groups and care night. If you know that you need to connect with one of these, can I suggest that you don't go home without stopping at a table and connecting? Get information, connect. If you have to go pick up your kids in Kids World, great, they'll wait for you. Just go get your kids, come on back, all right? Now, one final thought before I pray for you is this, obviously, we could not possibly put every potential next step for you on a discipleship guide like this, right? So for example, the Holy Spirit might have been prompting you to do something very specific like, hey, would you just make a meal for your neighbors and bring it over to them? Well, <laughs> we can't put that on a discipleship guide. But if that's your next step, could I make a suggestion? Do that thing, whatever that thing is, okay? The discipleship guide is really a reflection of all of the things that we do together and for each other as a church, all right? So our challenge for you on what's next weekend is that you would identify your next step and that you would take your next step to run the race that God has marked out for you. Let it be said of Christ Community Church that every person who calls this church their church home knows what their next step is with the help of the Holy Spirit and is taking that next step. So let me pray for you and I'll turn it over to the worship team. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the invitation that you have extended and you have made a way through the cross for us to lean fully in to living the kind of life that you've called us to live, to be disciples and to make disciples, to live life on mission and we wanna run the race well that you've marked out for us. And so I pray now for every single person under the sound of my voice that right now with the help of your Holy Spirit that they would be able to identify their next step and that they would take that step. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.